I do say this to my kids often is at the end of the day, I want so much for you to have contentment, right? And I want you to have control over yourself, your thoughts and your attitude and to own it, Mm. not to let, don't give that power. Don't give that control to anybody else or any other circumstance. Like don't depend, don't have your happiness and your contentment depend on you know, did Kurt say hi to me today? Or did Chris, you know, um, give me a compliment? Like, no, it's like, turn it back to what you can do. Parents, it's time to celebrate. The new On Purpose Parents podcast, a Saddleback Parents podcast has arrived for tips, ideas, and encouragement to help you win at being an On Purpose Parent. Well, everybody, welcome back to another episode of our On Purpose Parents podcast. My name is Kurt. I'm here with Grace and over in the corner, producer Chris. And we are, first of all, very, very thankful and humbled that you would be taking time out of your busy day. Maybe you're driving in your car. Maybe you're on the treadmill. Whatever you're doing, you're actually including us mm-hmm. in that. And we're, we're humbled by that and thankful for that. So thank you for trusting us um, to give you just a little bit of help and help in your efforts to raise lifelong followers of Jesus who are independent and want to make a kingdom contribution. And we are in the fourth and final installment of our Anchored series. And during the series, every episode, we've been taking a look at one of four very key because there are way more than four Mm -hmm. anchors that we want in our child's, in our children's lives. But we picked four that we think, man, if we can only do a four week series, these would be the four. And the, the backdrop to the whole thing is them being anchored in Christ. And the four that we have added to that is being anchored in conviction, being anchored in courage, being anchored in compassion. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to wrap it up by talking about what I think is sort of, uh, what do I call it? It's not quite as tangible. Mm -hmm. The other, the other three actually are like action, Mm -hmm. actionable. They're actionable. They could be verbs, right? Right. This, this one is more of a mindset Mm -hmm. that then does lead to, I think, some action. But it really is more of a posture in which you approach life. Um, And that is the anchor of contentment. And I think it's a really, really challenging anchor for most of the people who are listening to our podcast because most of the people listening to our podcast are men and women mostly like us. Probably middle class, upper middle class. We're probably suburban-ish in our lifestyle, um, we probably have enough food on the table. We probably have a nice roof over our head. And most of us probably live in a area of the country where it is a lot of the keeping up with the Joneses. There is a lot of pressure to have Mm -hmm. more, to do more, to be more, to achieve more. And contentment Mm -hmm. really flies in the face of that. This, this attitude of, I am okay with things the way they are. Contentment is not meant to be passive. Contentment does not say you never try to get better. Contentment isn't laissez-faire. Contentment is, I think, what Paul says in Philippians 4.13, classic Bible verse mm-hmm. that gets misquoted and taken out of context <laughs> all the time, where Paul says, I've, I've learned the art of contentment. Mm-hmm. I can do all things. And then he says a bunch of other stuff, whether I'm this, whether I'm that and this and good times and bad mm-hmm. and sickness and health. And uh, maybe I'm getting my Bible verse mixed up with wedding vows. That sounds like <laughs> wedding. But he, he lists all these things, all these things that, right. you know, good and bad, all these, 
all these things. But in all of that, I've learned the art of contentment. Mm -hmm. And that is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. You know, I saw a study recently that said that people in the United States, no matter where you live, across the United States, different ages, uh, from young adult all the way to retired, people want 33% more than what they have. Wow. Wow. So that That's idea interesting. of not really being yeah. content. Yeah. Wow. And that verse, that, that was wonderful, Chris. That's really powerful. Mm. You just interrupted me right when I was having a spiritual moment. <laughs> the, I the, you were the, done, the, man. I was not I'm done. Sorry. I was talking about the Bible. <laughs> I was talking I'm about sorry. it. Anyway, but good point. It's, it's good, good, good point. point. Good point. Yeah. Um, but where, where that verse gets taken out of context mm-hmm. is that verse isn't the, the athlete I can win the Super Bowl through Christ who strengthens me, mm-hmm. right? I, I can. That, that's where it gets used all the time. Oh, yeah. It's really, it's a contentment verse. Mm. That contentment is being able to joyfully endure, joyfully live, joyfully sustain in every season of life mm-hmm. because of the strength that Christ gives us. Mm. Right. It doesn't mean we quit trying and striving the 33%, by the way, right? 33% want more. Well, they don't, they, they, they haven't lived with this sense of, you know what? I might not get the 33% more and that's okay. Mm. Cause I, I can thrive and be joyful where I'm at because of the strength that Jesus Christ offers. Mm. And, and that's a tough, tough, tough thing for us to instill in our kids because, man, if we think we feel the pressure to have more and get more and do more and be more, if we're always clawing up and our kids more than ever, way more than when I was a kid, way more than, than when, Grace, you're 15 years younger than I am. Am I? Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> I more. Uh, I maybe I think, you, I think you're more than. Well, I'm 10 years younger than Kurt. Okay, yeah. all right. Seven so, years younger than me. All right, so there 17. we go. Yeah, he's, he's not. But anyway, our kids today. Our teenagers, mm. man, yeah. um, when we see teenagers who are discontent, it's, it's almost through no fault of their own. Mm. You know, we just live in a world that breeds discontentment. And so we want to combat that yes. because contentment is an anchor that when life gets tough, not if life gets tough, but when life gets tough and you face adversity, maybe financial adversity, whatever it is, health adversity, um, social adversity. You, you, you've kind of going through a season where what you once had is now in jeopardy. Mm. Um, contentment is an anchor that helps you weather that storm. Yeah, that's so and good. so we're going to talk today, parents, about what are some things that we can do, just some real practical mm-hmm. things we can do to help build this anchor of contentment in the lives of our kids. Yeah, so good. Um, I really liked what you said too about that it's not at maybe as tangible as the other three anchors that we've talked about in this series, but it is more of a frame of mind and a mindset. So right. I just have two things for me this morning that I, I brought to the table. Um, and, and just to share these concepts that I think help with that mindset and framing and thinking and how we can encourage that in our kids that ultimately then lead to more, hopefully more probability or chance that the kids are themselves can embody contentment. And 
Um, these concepts are from a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. It's one of my favorite mm. books. And the first one is to really, and I'm sort of taking the ideas from there, but the point that I'd like to share is to really encourage what we call the positive Tetris effect. Um, okay, so I have to give you a little background on that because what does that mean, positive Tetris effect? So you I guys have, have... I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I can't wait to find out. Okay. Well, you guys have played... Have you played Tetris before? Yes, I have. Yes. Have you ever been in a season where you were like, really into Tetris like obsessively and you played a lot or no. not that not to no. that level no you, not Chris? obsessive but we've we've played it as even as a family a lot there's yeah okay there's an app and, yeah. so there was the study at Harvard Medical School's Department of Psychiatry or psychiatry where they paid 27 people to play Tetris for multiple hours a day three days in a row and then, then they studied them. They kind of like did all these tests on them before and after, after before Tetris and after Tetris. Three days, multiple hours in a row, just constant yep. Tetris. Yep. And what they found were not just like your average side effects, but serious and intense side effects for the participants where for days after the study, they literally could not stop dreaming about the pieces <laughs> falling from the sky and everywhere they went, they saw things like Tetris pieces. So one person even said, like, walking through New York City, if I just turn this building <laughs> this way and shift this street <laughs> that way, the I pieces totally can me. fit together. Yes. Yeah. And so they actually, you know, oh, from a research perspective, they called this the cognitive aftermath. These players or these participants were stuck in this cognitive aftermath. And the way that they describe it is when someone takes a flash photography picture of you, sometimes that light is blinding. Yes. And then you look away and you still see that light for a little while yep. because that after image is sort of ingrained into your field of vision for a while. And so what they're saying is we, our brains, have this ability to hold on to patterns and certain focuses and actually what they highlighted in the book was a negative Tetris effect. If you get stuck in this pattern of thinking, negative pattern of thinking, it's very hard to break out of it. And suddenly all you start to see is the negative and you start to believe that that is reality mm. when actually it's what you've trained your brain to see. Right. And Kurt, you've actually mentioned this um, in previous podcasts we as humans have limited ability to focus on things. Like we, our brains absorb so much information that we can't process all of that. And so in the book, they actually talk about that too. They call it the, um, the spam filter. Like our brain, depending on how we program our minds to be, will take certain bits of information and put them in the spam, spam box. And the ones that need to go into your primary inbox, you know, certain bits of information yeah. go there. And so if you are primed to scan your environment and always look for the worst in the situation, your brain will take all the positive things that are actually there in front of you, put them in the spam because you, you've just run out of space, and you will only see the negatives. And they call that the negative Tetris effect where you actually – miss out on opportunities. That's why the book is called Happiness Advantage. Right. It's not saying like, oh, just be happy all the time. It's that people who are good at scanning their environment for positives 
actually see things like, oh, like, oh, that's a that's an opportunity that I could do to turn the situation around or, oh, that's something positive in someone that I could leverage and we could use this to good. But if you are in this mode where you only see the negative because your brain is stuck in this loop, then you actually don't see it. Like you mentioned this too, like if you're focused on seeing something, you suddenly start seeing it everywhere. Right. But if you didn't think about it, you never even notice yeah. it. it yeah. It's as if it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and so I think the point here, I think just with this concept, what I wanted to share is that let's train our kids to be able to scan their environment. And this is how the book talks about it. scan your environment for the positives mm. versus the negatives because we have a choice in that. Right. And one tip that the book actually gives is um, with your family, make it a practice to say, what are three things that happened to you in the past 24 hours that you are grateful for? And what that does is it, again, it like trains them like you're the coach for your kids. I want you to start thinking what happened in the past 24 hours that I could be thankful for. Yeah. Maybe the day was horrible and it's okay to embrace the negative of that day, but also are we missing out on something good that was also there? And so look for it. Like you're, you right. know, you're on a quest. Look for, let me just scroll back the past 24 hours. What were positives? And by doing that, we can instill that pattern because our way of thinking, our mindset, our brain is something we mm. really do have to be intentional about. Yeah. And it's not on accident right. what we see and notice in the world. Yep. That's so good. And that actually ties directly into my, my first thought. Um, they're, in some ways they're kind of opposites, but they tie in exactly the same. And in, in, in one way to phrase what you just said is like focus in on the positives. Mm -hmm. So like narrow your focus. Don't be concerned about all the other stuff. Narrow your focus into the good stuff that's going on, which is awesome. And mm -hmm. we should, right? Focus in on the positive stuff that helps breed contentment. I'm going to say yes and focus in on the positives, but also help them expand their view. Mm. What sometimes the reason why we're discontent, um, especially kids and now, and that's a little bit different because we, uh, the world's gotten smaller through technology and it's not as hard to expand our view. And I think that's a blessing. There are downsides and upsides to us having the world at our fingertips. And one of the upsides is we can expand our view and our understanding of the world so much more easily than we used to be able to. Mm. And we can do it in real time, right? Um, when I was a child and, you know, I, I had to read a book that was written three years ago that talked to me about the situation someplace or maybe watch some news story. But the ability to get stuff, information in real time just didn't exist. And really one of the great ways for us to build contentment is to, to help our kids see how different the world is mm. and how so much of the world doesn't have what we have, mm. not in a guilty way, not in a way to heap guilt on them. You know, sometimes parents will say, be thankful for what you have, young man. And we, and we should, you know, our kids need to be thankful for what they have. <laughs> um, but that's sort of the knee jerk. Uh, uh, my son is complaining, be thankful for what you have. The bigger picture, the long view of that is, well, one of the ways they can be thankful for what they have is helping them see how different the world is. And especially when they see people who don't have what we have maybe have it way, way worse. And yet they are content mm. and they're beyond content. They're, they're joyful. There's, we, we take our students in our church oftentimes on missions trips 
And we always joke about the mission trip is sort of 50-50. It's about 50% ministering and blessing the people we serve. And it's about 50% helping our teenagers recognize what they have. Mm. Um, years ago, we, we took a junior high team to, to Mexico and we built homes for families down in Mexico. And this, this family tracked me down afterwards. And they told me that a story of their son, Gage and Gage was, they were very concerned about Gage. He was entitled and he wasn't thankful for what he had. The opposite of content, um, classic junior higher, by the way. Um, so they sent Gage on this missions trip and they told me the story that when Gage got home from a week in Mexico, he got dropped off at their house, um, from a friend who was also on the trip and his mom was there and he walked right past his mom, said hi to his mom, just, but walked right past her into the kitchen and hugged his refrigerator. (laughs) He hugged and then he went and he hugged his TV and then he went and he hugged their computer <laughs> and she said, fine, eventually got around to hugging me. But his whole thing was, I, I never understood. Mm. I never understood how meaningful all this stuff is. Yeah. I never understood until I went someplace where they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the ways we help our kids build contentment is, is simply to expand their view and, and show them shows, documentaries, and all the things about life in other places mm. and the joy and the meaningfulness of life with people who have almost nothing compared to what we have. Um, and then another idea is, you know, there is this aspect of be thankful for what you have and do you recognize the value of money and all that stuff. And I would say if one of the ways you build contentment in your children is at age-appropriate times beginning to include them in this is how much it costs to pay the rent at our apartment. Mm. This is how much we have to pay in gas. So every Mm. time, you know, there's, there's times when I can't drive you to your friend's house. And one of the reasons is it costs money and here's how much money it costs. And at the age appropriate time, maybe even saying, this is how much money we have coming into our household and we're doing the best we can. But sometimes kids are discontent and they always want more and they assume they should get the, the, the new cell phone and the new video game and the, the new e-bike, right? Mm. I mean, holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> those, things the, the, those things are powerful yeah. and they're expensive and they're everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't mean you shouldn't buy your kid an e-bike when they're in junior high. It might mean you help your junior higher recognize what a sacrifice it is mm. to buy an e-bike should you choose to do that. Um, instead of just getting them an e-bike and they have no idea. They don't know what, they don't know how Mm -hmm. hard it is to come up with $1,300 for almost every single parent. And yet you drive around town and every single junior high kids on an Mm e-bike. I hope that a lot of those parents are helping their child understand, look, this does not come without sacrifice on our part. And not everybody has these items. And when you can kind of age appropriately involve them and help them understand the value of work and money and how that's all tied together, I think it does help them be a little bit more appreciative and content in what they do happen to have. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting about the point that you just made is a lot of times, um, like you said, when we think about the word contentment, it just seems very like philosophical. Like how do we practically even talk about it? Sure. We can talk about the concept of contentment, but then as parents, like, when it comes to actually helping our kids be anchored in that, you you feel kind of lost. And what's interesting is in all the things that we've shared so far, some of these are just practically showing them the ways of the world. And, right. and just by doing that and almost 
respecting your kids, that it's, that they can understand, they can grow, they can actually, you know, receive these more kind of maybe adult type things that could actually contribute to something that seems unrelated, like contentment. And that actually goes into something I wanted to share too, which is the second uh, point that I pulled from the happiness advantage is they talk about leaning into your internal locus of control as that, opposed that's, to... That's more confusing than the, <laughs> the Tetris. I know. What was the Tetris one? The Tetris effect. The Tetris effect. Right, and just, this is the locus of control. Yes. The internal locus of control okay. versus the external. I know it's very Gosh. like psychology related for it's, this book. It's fantastic. But I love it. It's The book is so good. I'm going to make another plug for it. But um, You so are what, so well read. Oh. Do you know that? I wasn't for the longest you, time, but it's just been a past couple years thing that I've tried to yeah. build that habit in. Um, but this book, they talk about how mo- the most success, and it's all like very research based, but most successful people in work and life are those who have what psychologists call an internal locus of control, hmm. which is the belief that they can have actions that have a direct effect on their outcome versus people with external locus of control f- or a focus more on the external are more likely to interpret things that happen to them as being dictated by external forces or other people. So like an example of this would be at a work setting, if you got passed for a promotion, people with external locus of control would be like, oh, I never had a chance anyway. You know, they don't like people like me. Um, They don't recognize talent here. My boss is X, Y, Z. And then you subsequently lose motivation because like if nothing's in your control, why do you, you know, it's just the world is against you. You're the victim. Why try? On the other hand, someone with an internal locus of control might say, okay, I mean, I'm disappointed, but okay, what are some things that I can do? What are things that I could affect change in? Maybe there was some area that wasn't as good. Or if it really is an unfair situation, well, what can I do about that? Maybe I can... um, are there other opportunities that I could look for? Like you're just, you're thinking more as to what are the things that I can, either what am I contributing to the situation that might be a blind spot that I should become more aware of, or what action can I do to help shape the world that I'm living in? And um, there's this quote by Captain Jack Sparrow. From, I've, heard, I've heard of him. You've heard of him. Yep. He's, you know, he's an interesting, interesting guy, but he says... <laughs> The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Mm. And so I often tell my kids, you know, it's hard, but when they face challenges or things that disrupt or threaten their contentment, um, shift the focus into what are the things that you can play in this situation? What are What's some action that you can take? And that can be really empowering. And I do say this to my kids often is, at the end of the day, I want so much for you to have contentment, right? And I want you to have control over yourself, your thoughts, and your attitude, and to own it. Mm. Not to let, don't give that power, don't give that control to anybody else or any other circumstance. Like, don't depend, don't have your happiness and your contentment depend on, you know, did Kurt say hi to me today? Or did Chris, you know, um, give me a compliment? Like, no, it, it's like... Turn it back to what you can do. And one quick example, just to kind of make it more personal, is so Karis has recently gotten into musicals 
And so she was trying out for a musical, like, and of course she was trying out for the lead part and they got several callbacks and like trying for the lead part callback as well as some other like lead roles. And then she was so like, when is the the cast going to come out, the cast uh, assignments? And finally it came in the email and she got none of them. So not the lead, but not even the side lead, not even the narrator. She was an ensemble. Mm. And I thought you were gonna say she was rock number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tree number five. Yeah, tree number five. No, um, the wind that blows through. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, you know, she's a fifth grader, and you are so anticipating something, and you face something like that. It's really disappointing. Um, and how do we handle that? And of course, one of the things that we want to sit in and is to acknowledge all feelings of disappointment that you shouldn't feel bad about that. You don't have to brush it off. Like you don't have to say like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, that we can, we can be sad and sad is not bad and that's right. okay. But also then we turn to, well, okay, so what can we do about this situation? You can't control the outcome of the cast. Um, do you still want to do it? Right? Like just kind of helping them to be reflective. Like, is this still worth it for you? Are there benefits to gain from being part of this and having that conversation of like, well, are there more things that you can practice? Like if you really love this, maybe this is something you need to practice more and invest more. Um, what are things in your control? And she has gone back to practice and it's so far turning out wonderful. Like one of the things that she's found was I get to do a lot of dances and learn a lot of these moves as part of this um, cast. And she's like, I'm learning so much and I'm really like she's really enjoying it and so we were so proud of her like her journey of going through that I want to be the star to not even the second star to <laughs> ensemble and how do you focus on what are the things that you can control and right. lean into that yeah. and and actually I think empowering your kids to one like what are they thinking about and what what can they control can really um equip them with practical ways to try to grapple with this vague concept yeah. of contentment. Yeah. Well, and what you're saying there is, Hey, be content being in the, the chorus. No, the, the ensemble, be content being in the ensemble, but it's okay to want to go after being in the main role. Right. Again, right. And there are, there are, I think two times when it's proper to be discontent. I think, I think there's two, two categories of, of proper discontentment. One is if it's a healthy discontent, mm. it's just healthy. Like, you, you know, you go like, Hey, I'm the, the doctor said I'm dangerously out of shape. So I'm discontent mm. with my mm -hmm. health. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, um, man, my, my marriage is not where it really should be. I'm discontent with the state of that's, that's healthy. Yeah. Um, that's or for point. a child to say, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling uneasy with, um, my friendships, you know, they're putting weird peer pressure on me, but I don't know what to do, but they're, they're feeling discontented. Mm. That's a healthy discontent. Um, and that's proper and, and right. And then there's, um, what's called oftentimes holy discontent and holy discontent is the stuff that, you know, grieves the heart of our father, mm. the stuff that grieves the heart of God, um, injustice, things like that, where we go, you know what? I know God is not content with this. Right. And therefore, neither am I. And the status quo in this case is not right. It's it's not proper. It's it's not the way of Jesus. Um, and so, when you have a healthy discontent, lean into that. Mm. 
when you feel a holy discontent, lean into that. Um, but in, in most of our other areas, we want to learn this art of contentment and have our, our kids be anchored in a contentment that says, whatever my station in life right now, whether I'm the lead in the play or I'm in the choral, the what? The choral? Ensemble. The ensemble. <laughs> the choral. The chorus, the choral, the chorale, the ensemble. Whether I'm in the lead or the ensemble, I'm content mm-hmm. because I can do both. Mm-hmm. I can do both because of my, my relationship with Jesus, who I am, who how my parents raised me. Life is bigger and there's more to it than my current circumstance. That's the contentment factor. Um, my last thought, parents, is one one way that we can build contentment in our kids is to model contentment, but I'm gonna I'm gonna twist it a little bit and say I think one of the ways you build contentment is to model generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know about you guys I've just never met a person who's super generous who's discontented, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're not generous and you're holding on to everything, that's mm-hmm. that's that you're discontent because you're afraid to give up what you have. You're what if we don't have enough? What if what if? And that's a, a, a discontented um, posture. And so parents, I believe early on, if you can model to your kids generosity, mm. financial generosity, g- being generous with your your giftings, your talents, your time, helping out people, serving at the church, donating to a missionary who's going on a trip, putting putting letting your kids see you put money in the offering plate, letting your kids see you buy a, an extra set of Christmas presents for the, the family down the street that doesn't, that doesn't have a good Christmas. Um, modeling all of just all the ways that generosity shows up. When you're generous, you're sowing the seeds for contentment. Mm, um, yeah. And when you, when you say, cause there's, there's, there's a, um, <clears throat> you can go through life with an abundance attitude or a scarcity mm-hmm. attitude. And a scarcity attitude always says, I got to hold on because there's not enough. An abundance attitude says, there's always enough. Mm. And uh, the more I give of all these things, the more I get back. And um, when, you, when you live with that mentality, then contentment follows, mm. right? Because you're, it's, 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 it's all flowing through you. And so if for some reason you go through a season where you have a little bit less of it, that's okay. The only downside to going through a season of, with a little less influence, a little less finances, a little less popularity, a little less whatever it is, health, the, the only downside to that is I just have a little bit less to be generous with. Mm. But my world doesn't fall apart. We're just in a different season right now. And we can go through every season going back to Philippians 4.13. Don't interrupt me, Chris, with your, with your 33% thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 um, is I just lost my point of thought. Philippians, Philippians four yes. thirteen, right? Is we can we can go through all of those seasons, mm-hmm. the good seasons, the bad seasons. We can face those and be content through Christ who gives us strength. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, man, folks, we we want to raise our kids well, and we want to raise them to be caring and concerned and paying attention to the world around them. And we want to have conviction, you know, they're so Christ-like and all the, so many convictions, so many beliefs, so many anchors Mm -hmm. that we do want to pour into our kids. And the reality is it's going to be kind of a, it may not be lifelong. I'm not sure if I'm still building anchors into my adult children, but it's for sure a 
decades long Mm -hmm. journey for parents because we want to anchor them in all kinds of stuff that we know matters. Hopefully these four of the anchor of conviction, the anchor of courage, the anchor of compassion and the anchor of contentment are four that you, that you see as valuable Mm -hmm. and that we've given you a few ideas on how you can implement and help your, your children be anchored in those ways. So with that being said, we're going to sign off. Thanks for joining us and we will see you soon. Bye everyone. Thanks for joining the On Purpose Parents podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes. If you're listening on our Saddleback Parents YouTube channel, please like and leave a comment. Also, remember to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. You can connect with us by texting the word parents to the number 83000, following us on Instagram at Saddleback Parents, and emailing your comments to parents at saddleback.com. As a huge thank you, you can browse our hundreds of free resources at onpurposeparents.com. All created to help you win at parenting. We'll catch you next time.